Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Right, so hello everyone. Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Now on this episode, a very interesting fellow, Paul Nicholson, welcome. Thank you. Before I introduce you, um, if you're watching the video, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read a list of awards that you've been nominated or crowned for. I'm yeah. not gonna read all of them. Oh, get ready for this. So Future Hundred Awards, Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Best Property Development Firm, Most Anticipated Development, Most Affordable Rental Property, Young Business Person of the Year, Entrepreneur of the Year, Ambassador for St. Helens Borough Council, winner of the Interactive Award, NWPA 2017, Property Development of the Year, Property Investor of the Year, Pride of St. Helens Award, CEO of the Year, High Gross Business of the Year, Investor of the Year, and Prop... Jesus Christ. I mean, how many of you bloody... <laughs> so I, f- I feel like there's going to be a lot of gold in this episode after reading the um, enumerate list of awards that you've won. So well, for people who don't know you, could you give an introduction as to what you're doing now and then we'll delve into your story and, and go back in time. Right, so right now we are a property development stroke landlord. Um, I originally started my portfolio up in Liverpool uh, from terraced houses, semi-detached into converting large mansions. And now we're spearheading the regeneration of a northern town centre called St. Helens. Wow. Okay, so you you and your company is leading a regeneration of a whole town. Yeah, yeah. We're on our fourth project now. And how long have you been in property? I've been, well, I originally set out as a solicitor. Oh. At a commercial law firm, Hill Dickinson, which some of you might know. Okay. I specialised in property and finance there. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time, I bought my first investment property, which is a three-bed semi-detached. Yeah, the usual, the good yeah, old. Yeah, well, my why has changed through the course. Okay. Um, so back then, obviously, I had been an ambition to do well in the legal career. So the reason why I wanted it was just to top up my income. I wanted hassle-free, so I thought the family house, perfect. Uh, absolutely hated being told what to do, hated having a boss. So, you know, as pre- my many watching this probably have been had the mm-hmm. same story. So I soon left that um, that career journey mm-hmm. and then I went into the multi-blocks of flats, etc. And it all, uh, all took shape from there. So you started off like most people do yeah. in the kind of buy-to-lets, the kind of vanilla, boring, easy, yeah. low risk, high, you know, higher cash flow type thing potentially. Yeah. So you obviously you didn't like being told what to do you had that entrepreneurial spirit in you yeah. what was that moment where you said you know what I'm going to quit this legal career and do what the hell I want I think some of it was it rested on being financially secure um, I, one thing I would say to anyone who's thinking about going right I'll go full time into the property industry that is great but you've got to make sure you are going to be financially steady you know quitting on one property or two you're probably not going to get by so even though you hate going in at 9am I'd suggest still doing it until you are at that position where you can afford to. Because, uh, okay. you know, putting that sort of stress and pressure on yourself. And property, there are risks to it. It might not go according to plan. So there's financial consequences to that. 
Mm. So you had that that one property. Yeah. And then did you wait until you were full-time before you bought more? Or were you slowly building a portfolio? Whilst so you a bit like yourself, and you've got obviously got an itchy finger and like to buy quite <laughs> rapidly. Uh, I bought me first in 2008, and then I sat back, I'd say, till 2011, 12, I think it was. Wow, okay. Because um, obviously I had an enemy training contract, I was coming to the end, okay. I was qualifying, so I was concentrated on that. I also had a property management services business on the side. Um, which was doing very well. We set, I set that up. I had national coverage in the end there. Um, but when the home information packs went, that's what it was based in. You know, overnight the government just destroyed that business. So uh, oh, wow. okay. I then qualified as a lawyer and then realised, right, you know, I need something else on the side. So I bought that one, left it three years, and then went into the terraced houses. Okay. Uh, but the lower end, you know, because I bought the first one, which was, you know, a three-bed semi in suburban area quite expensive you know really low yielding property it was nice and comfy not much hassle but you know it wasn't gonna you know give me a yacht anytime soon so i went into the real low value terraced houses in um, not the most affluent area liverpool yeah. with that come a lot of headaches and a lot of lessons um which i'm still learning today <laughs> <laughs> okay so then you know, you followed quite a normal path. Yeah. A lot of people I speak to nowadays, you myself, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, this is sort of how I've seen it um, happen. So then, obviously, you were obviously earning a bit of money being, being yeah. a solicitor. So were you, at that time, just buying properties with your savings? and Yeah, and also refinancing out. So one okay. of the things, that, you know, I've, I've got specific rules when I buy a property. Um, you know, when you first start out, you get mostly attached to something, don't you? Where you put a bit of time, you think, I've got to buy that. Yeah. Um, I have a very firm, rigid financial criteria. And when I run that calculation, if it doesn't fall in, it has to go in the bin. Because um, I always make sure that I don't leave money in a deal. Okay. So I might look, you know, 50 deals, but three might fit. And then I might only get one offer. And you were doing this back then? Back then. I've always, so, and I still do it to this so, day. So you were doing this when you didn't really have property experience? Well, I did it because I, I was a property solicitor. Ah. And I specialised in finance. So I saw how people were exiting. So I could see how people would exit their, their developments onto long-term finance. And I could see what, you know, what old redemption statements they were paying off, what they were netting, ah. what properties ticked that box, which didn't, which lenders would allow you to say gear up against value as opposed to purchase price. You really had an insight into yeah. to this. You know, I was working for, you know, some of the national house builders, big pension firms. Uh, I worked on a 12, 15 storey new build in Manchester. I did all the off-plan developments. Wow. So I had a full spectrum from smaller investors, smaller developers, large developers, how pension funds work. Um, so, and then also I did a lot of, I acted for some of the leading banks like you know Lloyd, Santander. So when they were, I, I'd get some instructions off them. So I saw it from the bank's perspective, what they'd look for, what security they need. So now, for example, I've got, um, we're about to refinance Nicholson Plaza with a, with a lender. Um, it's, you know, a large transaction, but it's, in terms of the legal aspect, it was signed off in less than a week. That's quick. I mean, I can't even buy a buy-to-let in four weeks. To yeah, piss, like, because, yeah, because I've done it. Yeah, so I, yeah. when I've given the folder, I know you have what's called a certificate of title. The bank, the, lend, the solicitor signs off the bank to say, good to go. I know what's on that. Mm. So it's all provided up front. Interesting. And I, you know what? Being being a property solicitor really gave you a lot. did. I mean, I hated it. But <laughs> without it, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am now. You know, because it gave me a good insight as well into lease structures. Of course. So yeah, then, yeah. obviously, I had to peruse all the valuations that came through. 
So I'd see the different investment methodologies, which one to give you the better GDV on the end. You know, do you create a lease structure and keep the freehold out? What sort of multiples can you get on an investment value? So am I best gearing up against the rent roll? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know which properties they won't let you do. For example, HMOs. Mm-hmm. People, you know, quite a popular topic. A lot of people want to get into the HMO market. But uh, they all think, oh, great, five rooms, 100 quid a week. This building's going to be worth 400,000. But, it, you know, next door sold for 120 grand because Mr. and Mrs. Smith can live in it. A lender will no longer let you gear up on that rent roll. Yeah, so you know, I had a I had, I had a real good open insight into everything that goes on. Okay, so you had the, you had this background, obviously boosted you and probably got you further than say someone without it, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you bought these houses, you bought a few in quick succession. Yeah. You know, buy to lets are great. Yeah. Of course, you know, generally they're like the, the foundation of any portfolio. Absolutely. What made you be like, you know what? I'm sick of I don't know two fifty a month net cash yeah. flow. Yeah. What made you say I'm done with that and now I'm going to just build big things? From the outset, as I said, when we mentioned previously about your why changing, I said mm. I think we mentioned off camera. You know, me, me why was you know I just wanted passive income. Then your why changed. But when I went into buying quite expansively and quickly yourself, you know, the buy to lets, I had then a, a burning vision that I, I want to create a big brand. Uh, and you know, being one of the branding experts, it's probably a so. yeah. You know, branding was part of my thing. I wanted. I wouldn't go as far as saying a household name because it might be, you know, you don't get too many landlords like that. But I wanted yeah. to recognise brand. To do that, I needed numbers. Mm. Um, and I believe in safety in numbers. But also, when I, did, I was doing these terraced houses at first, I used to just do the Magnolia. I used to go over the wood chip. Magnolia there. Hey, wood chips before, I didn't even know what wood chip is, man. I'm, oh, I'm... Well, try scraping it off. <laughs> I, I, I used to do that myself. Um, I used to, you know, the blue cord carpet. Would, I, I did a, t- I mean, talking about we were talking about learning lessons, and where I bought my properties quite quickly and learned some huge, made huge mistakes. Tell us about some of these mistakes. So skimping on your refurb. I mean, mm. I, I, I was 2011, 12. Now everyone you speak to is a landlord, so it's a different market. Mm-hmm. But you could rent back then a terrible yeah. sort of product. Okay, um, fair enough. And mine were to begin with a terrible product. You know, uh, Magnolia, uh, Magnolia, the uh, the wood chip left the kitchens, never changed the kitchen either. It was nineteen eighties. It'd stay. Um, then panic, throw them up on Facebook. Didn't reference people. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Huge. Took any Tom Dick and Harry. Oh, because these they were in such bad condition. I didn't want to spend any money. I'd spent <laughs> all my money, actually, on the properties, oh, wow. and didn't leave anything in reserve. Uh, so we had terrible tenants pretty poor properties. Any rent that I did receive went back out in maintenance anyway. Jesus. Um, so but thankfully at the time, it goes back to the question you said about when to quit. I was still practicing. So I still had my own income coming in. Took step back. I, I took stock of where I was at. Mm. Um, you know, had a good look at why this wasn't working. And then I went back and thought, right, you know, I've got to create a decent product, a desirable product to get a desirable tenant. Yeah. Uh, back to scratch, rip them all out, and then during this, I, I realised one, what could be done and what value you could add by actually doing an extensive refurbishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two that I really liked interior design, <laughs> and yeah. three, you know, it, once it was done properly, the difference in your net rent roll yeah. was substantial, and especially on that sort of size portfolio, even back then of twelve properties, there was there was yeah, a slush fund. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I sort of nearly fell over. But at the time, you know, as I say, it then gave me the confidence by 
one thing you see people who try and jump into the bigger end and don't do these smaller stepping stones mm. by doing the small you learn these mistakes as you go and it builds your confidence so when you've done this one two bed terraced house and you refill and you look back and go oh I've done that you do a couple more you do a couple more you realise that's a piece of piss <laughs> and if you're a bit driven you go you know what I'm going to buy those three one bed flats mm. and you do a couple of them but then they throw up their own difficulties you know a lot of people say you, you buy um a large house converted to four apartments. Something that I've known to people to trip up on is the the infrastructure. Can the electrical load, for example, take that? And it's expensive to split. Ooh, it's expensive. <laughs> on one of mine, on, on the last one we did, which was converted to twenty eight apartments, that was it. We got quoted initially until you have contestable, non contestables, which is complex. But the initial quote was eighty five thousand to split the unit to power it because it was an office, so it was underpowered. So if all twenty eight people put the ovens on lights out <laughs> but it's something a lot of people don't consider you wouldn't I, I didn't until like a few months ago someone yeah, told me and you go oh <laughs> yeah, I was like that deal's not uh, getting an offer yeah you know you, so you go back you've done your tennis hours which costs you say 8 grand 10 grand to refurb oh 5 flats it'll cost me 5 to <laughs> 50 grand I'm in and then you think, oh, well, hang on, where did that one come from? Then you've got yeah. your drainage can you drain have they got the capacity oh, so all these sorts of things add up yeah 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 Wow, okay, so then it's interesting what you said about the refurbs getting higher rent. I know that from the two houses I'm letting at the moment, just by having them, not expensive refurb, but swag, yeah. I'm getting 50 quid a month more yeah. just because I spent two hours on the design. Exactly. Instead of, I'll oh, just do you know, Magnolia or whatever. So it makes a difference, I, right? Yeah, I mean, I, when I uh, stay anywhere with my fiancé, we always stay in different hotels. You know, We're always in London quite a lot, but instead of having one of those loyalty cards, we stay everywhere to take design <laughs> tips. That's a, yeah, that's a good idea. So, for example, in Nicholson Plaza, the one we mentioned before, the tiled entrance, mm. we buried an LED strip into the grout lines. That was from um, an office block in London. I saw it. Into the grout lines? So, you say you've got your door casing and you've got yeah. your front door into the apartment block. We've tiled all round. So, where the two tiles meet, obviously, your grout. Yeah, yeah. We buried in an LED light strip round. So, behind the grout? Well, no, so there's no grout in that bit. It's sealed with the, the plastic trim from the LED light. So I, I love that. So when you walk up, it, it pings up. I might do that. It looks. I think you know it's I not that. It's not that expensive. I can. I'm thinking for a buy to let. It could be the mirror, but the light behind the mirror. And it's, it, well, that's what we've then now just we put a mirror on the wall, um, and then we've got this sort of laminate floor that runs up the wall and over the roof. Oh, I've seen those in hotels. And then we've got all the flowers hanging off the top. Mate, I love And there's that. a mirror over there, so people are getting selfies in the mirror with the... So it starts making it sort of a place you need to go. It yeah. also becomes part of the brand, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly, yeah. I like that. And you know what? Like, I think a lot of people, especially at, kind of at your level who are, which we'll get to doing the big, you know, flats and new things like that, they just build it. A cookie cutter, like Berkeley Homes, boring, yeah. no offense to them. But like... The white gloss kitchen yeah. doors and uh, it's got no imagination None. and no appeal. And it's not expensive. Doing no. the floorboard thing is not expensive. No. Doing the mirror... No. Is not expensive. None of the tiles you got, they look expensive, but as we discovered, yeah, yeah, they're, not. they're a bargain. The most expensive thing was the f- the fake plants from the range <laughs> in Wilco's, and <laughs> they were like three hundred quid trying to dangle them all over off a step ladder. <laughs> I love that, dude. So you right, you had that moment. You kind of you built up. Yeah. But then, so your why changed from being a little bit of income on the side to yeah. becoming this is my full time yeah. brand and business and job. Yeah. So then, but. Someone could still do that with buy-to-lets, right? Yeah. So 
I, I want the listeners to really understand because a lot of people are maybe in this situation yeah. where they're like, I've got buy to lets, I want to do new builds, do I actually want to do them? I want to do conversions, do I actually want to do them? Yeah. Like what what kind of gave you the confidence or what was the real reason you stopped it? Was it just bored of them? And, and the, the, um, the growth accelerations um, relatively slow. Okay. Um, buying a single let, obviously you've got, you know, you've spent two, three months in that house doing it. You know, you're probably going to net 200, 250 a month. Um, if you've bought well, say you've, you know, you've, say it's valued at 80 grand, say, you know, you're using sensible loan to values, which I always do. And I always clear down the debt. Um, you know, you probably look at a loan of 54. So say you spent 40 grand buying it, you spent 10 grand on it. You've made four grand. So you're going to have to do 10 of them to get to 40. Yeah. It's a very, and then that'll get you two and a half grand a month net. It's quite a slow projection. Yeah. Where when you're getting in, you know, if you're hitting four or five flats in the one block, obviously going to take slightly longer, mm. but you're all in the same location. It goes a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, and what I also found is when I was looking, um, the terraced houses, as I say, I bought in the era after the crash, the recession. So, I was picking a lot up from LPA receivers. Yeah, obviously, I had good relationships with them as well through my capacity as a solicitor. Um, but when now we're in a much buoyant market, you know, if you want to get into these single lets, you're possibly buying from a homeowner. Yeah, it's yeah. theirs. They've got a lot of passion about that. So the price tends to, when you're buying these yeah. rundown blocks of apartments, I was looking at. It's usually a landlord who just sees it as a numbers game. He's not attached to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can, what I found is usually a better deal to be done. Um, but now mm. I've moved into office retail conversion because a lot okay. of people want that stock I used to buy of the multi-block uh. flats. Everyone wants one. Everyone's a developer these days. <laughs> Prices through the roof. Not a lot of people want to convert retail buildings and office buildings. Mm. Uh, I've gone to a northern town centre that's reinventing itself. Okay. Uh, these town centres notoriously are ghost towns across the country. Um, they're never going to be a place where you shop anymore because, you know, everyone moans about it, but we all go on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> and quite funnily enough, Amazon have just opened their second home up in St. Helens. What? And everyone's complaining about the town centre being dead, but then, you know, they've come there, but that's a different uh, political story, I suggest. Okay. Um, but I find that there's some great value now in these empty previous places of employment. Okay, so then you, you had this portfolio of buy to lets. Yeah. So the transition, so you buy to lets, then did you get HMOs? No, I've, I've only ever done one HMO. I'm not a huge fan of it. Okay. Um, I'm a huge believer in something you do, you need to buy into yourself. I agree, yeah. You know, when you do your, the, the, the one you've just done, for example, you said mm. you didn't spend a great deal on, but you made it nice. Yeah. Probably yeah. you would live in it, say. Yeah. Your it's nice in my own bloody house. I <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd live in some of the things I'm developing now, not necessarily from when I first started, but we're going back to them and changing them all. Would I live in a shared accommodation? I, I, I personally yeah, wouldn't. I, I wouldn't either, yeah. So I don't believe in that product. Um, also, when I started out and it, the economy started, now the property market, I believe, fueled through this investment-led developments, um, and they were heavily saturated with studios. So you can see the equation: simple supply and demand. Too many studios built, rental prices will come down. The impact on that is these are f people often rent a room because they're affordable. Obviously, you've got the communal 
um, feature to it that people want to be with other people. But often people do it because it's affordable. Yeah. So that having your own apartment with your own kitchen, your own bathroom was probably too pricey. Now with the drop in those prices, there's not people are going oh for an extra fifty pound, I might be able to get my own studio. Mm, so I think it's I tough, see. and I think there was a a lot of people took advantage of Article Four, uh, you know, getting in and doing the HMOs, and I think that's seen probably a, an oversupply of them as well. Um, so I've only got one, but you know, I didn't do it a small one. I did nineteen bedrooms. Okay, so yeah. yep, straight in on the big end. Yeah, yeah, okay. wish I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> and how's that been to manage? A nightmare, to be fair. Um, we did it, and we had. It was probably one of the best looking HMOs. We actually um, were shortlisted for best student property of the Another year. Another award. Yeah, we didn't win though. <laughs> um, and when we completed it, ideally we were looking for to get into the student run. So initially it was twenty bedrooms, but we converted one into a, a kitchen. Okay. As we learned, as we went, it probably needed another one. Um, but yet yeah, we so the idea was to get on the student run, which we we missed. Obviously, we needed to get income in. So now we've got a mixture of working professionals, transient people who are down here to you know for a specific venture and going back say to London, uh, and students. So what it means in a building that it's very management intensive anyway. Mm. But usually, if you've got the students, you can get in. You've got two months say over the summer to give it a good maintenance overhaul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have it occupied at all times at different rates, um, oh. occupancy levels. So it's that in itself caused a bit of a headache. Um, and also, we didn't use the best firm of plumbers on it. Okay. So we talked about design features. We had a few internal waterfalls. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that wasn't... Sure, that water was crisp, just like the Niagara Falls. Yeah, yeah. Lovely and fresh. But trying to find that on a 20-bed property where the leak is can sometimes be a headache. Can't use very liquid. No, that no, that's not coming up in bubbles. Um, so, yeah, a big learning curve. Um, wow. We've got it back on an even keel now. You know, it's, it's, okay. running, it's running well now, but I've never... I've got some smaller... You know, they're not HMO five bedroom plus as defined... But three, four bed house shares, two students, okay. and, they're, and they're absolutely fine. They're great income, but the income's great. But in terms of value and pulling money out, out you know, it's still a three bedroom house. Okay. So a yeah. value won't necessarily, or a bank certainly won't instruct a valuer to give a valuation based on that income. Okay. Because next door would still, what the bank's view is now, well, next door would still sell to 70 grand to Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And now if an investor wants to do what you do, he's not going to pay 180 grand for yours. You buy next door and spend ten grand himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's something that we don't think about. Yeah, like you just think, well, no, it will be a. This is a comparable, but actually, it's like no. The, the real life is different to what the ideal valuation would yeah. be. You know, it's what what can be perceived by the market. The marketplace. You know, if I was doing it and there's a HMO there or one next door, mm. I'd go and do it myself. Of course, so, we would. Yeah, yeah. You're like, not I pay wouldn't that. buy a ready-made HMO. I see. I see the the yeah. benefit in it. Yeah. But because we know what's, we're just like no. We'll exactly, we that's more armchair investment yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. And again, you know, it actually sells the question whether the market's there for that armchair investor to actually own bricks and mortar, or invest in specific so, ventures. So this is an interesting point. I think uh, so. A lot of people in my network, and I'm probably in yours, are like us doing to yeah. property investors. We want to do it. Yeah. We want to. We don't want to be scraping wood chip, but <laughs> <laughs> we definitely want to be nitty gritty on the phone to solicitors, yeah. as annoying as they are. We yeah. want to be doing that. Now, there's some people who want property because everyone wants property, don't they? Yeah. Now, what what's your advice or thoughts on like someone who's like, I want to be in property, but like, I don't know if I want the hard work. 
See, in property, if you want to directly own that bricks and mortar, you've got to be prepared for, for you know, my opinion, for, you know, the two o'clock in the morning phone call, the boilers leaking, you know, all mm. those sorts of issues. I've, lo- I've locked my keys out. Uh, you know, if you're now 60-year-old looking to, say, retire, enjoy your life, but you want a bit of income on the side and you do see them, do you really want that hassle? Um, but, yeah, as a as a nation, we like the security yeah. of bricks and mortar and property, and it's always, as well as an asset class, it's always outperformed. So I do get that. But all if you look now, what's available? There's investments that you can invest directly into landlords or yeah. developers. You've got the likes of loan notes. I mean, I'd exercise them with caution because I know they're asset backed, but they're only as good as that person carrying out that venture. Okay. You know, you see, you hear some horror stories, don't you? Where you know, there's been a, late, a few couple, yeah. Lately, yeah, yeah, I mean, Liverpool's seen a lot of it itself. You know, you mm. see, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith have put the forty grand retirement fund in. You know, it's never come out. And so, do and, your due diligence on the, on the? I'd say on the person doing that. What is their track record? Have okay. they carried it out? And also, I wouldn't hang your hat too much on the uh, advertised expected yields. <laughs> I think you might find some of them are a bit ambitious. I think for a lot of these off-plan developments where they say, yeah, I've heard of it being yeah. quite disparate from this. Well, we, we've we considered it in some of our St. Helens. We've got a few other developments lined up. Uh, the reason why, people have asked, why have you not done it with the ones I've completed? The reason why, if I do, we've got a potential scheme for 150 units we're potentially looking at. Wow. That is obviously a structure we might look at going into on, on that development. What would the NGDV be on that? About 15 million. 15? Yeah. Tasty. Yeah, yeah. A lot of headaches with that one. <laughs> yeah, um, big money, big problems, isn't it? So you're like, yes, that's it. Was it Tory's BIG? Is that? Can play that at the start. Yeah. Um, so, what, so some of the things we're looking at there it is potentially lending. That'll lend itself well to this structure. Mm. But the reason why I've not sold the others because I've had this scheme in the background for a while. I want to be able to personally show investors the bank statement highlighting. Okay. These are the one-bedroom flats we've got here. I can throw a tennis ball at this one there. Here it is in my bank coming in. Here are these tenancies. Now these are real. Yeah, we're not. I'm not saying you. You know, this is what we are getting. Uh, you know, I think it's just you've got to be open and transparent with people. Yeah, uh, they've got to understand fully what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of these armchair investors get a bit pushed out. Uh, yeah, and sold something that ends up a different product. It's, I think it's surprising, you know, because I think you and I and, and people listening to this. Are, I think a lot less likely to be like scammed yeah. or believe into it because we kind of know the background. Yeah. But I, I find it shocking that so many normal people yeah. actually get get bought into these scams and it's crazy. Well, that, people always say, why have you not gone into the fractional sales? Because everyone I used to invest with and make to mine are doing it on a big scale. Explain for the listeners what fractional sales is. So fractional sales is the off-plan sale of a unit. Mm-hmm. It's often investor-led. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's paid in stage payments. So what you find is, for example, the developer will find a plot of land. He'll go and get a long stop completion. So he'll exchange contracts with completion in 18 months of the seller. In that time, obviously, because he's got the option, he can go and get the planning permission. Once he's got the planning, he sells the units, what notoriously were to foreign investors, but yeah. obviously UK as well. These investors then, generally on exchange of contracts, pay some like 50% down. Bloody hell. <laughs> on an 80 grand studio, that's going to net £700 a month. Is it? Uh, <laughs> my two beds don't, so I'm not too sure how a 21 square metre will. Yeah. But, so this is all goes into that. But 
they're that far in. You know, often they're paying reservation fees of five, seven, ten thousand quid Jesus. at an exhibition when it's sold. So I, when I was a solicitor, one of the first very models of this come on my desk. And it was a Hong Kong investor, a stockbroker, very intelligent guy. Um, and after I did my due diligence, you know, my conclusion was I, I can't actually tell you to enter into this. I don't believe the structure, the, the legal structure gives you any safety. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, if it goes wrong, you're left with a bit of concrete space that, you know, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to carve that up in reality and it's not yeah. marketable. But he'd, at the exhibition in um, Shanghai, I think, wherever it was, he'd paid a £7,500 non-fundable reservation. So you're at the stage that you walk Ooh. away from the seven half, you take the risk that it'll work and in the end he took the risk. How that panned out for him, I don't know. I do know the development it completed. I know the developer um, has been plastered over the paper over a few different issues. So, told you so. Told you. <laughs> hey, there we go. Well, I don't think it thanked me for that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it will. No. Okay, so um, you had the houses. Yeah. And another thing you said off camera was you never have used a letting agent. No. So from day one, yeah. you self-managed. Now... There are a lot of people who are going to say, whoa, yeah. I don't want to be a landlord, I want to be an investor. Well, yeah. hands off, fine, let them take the 8 or 10%. Yeah. I want time. What do you say to that? Again, it goes around to your why. So perhaps say uh, you're the guy who just wants 10 houses. You think that'll be fine for me and then it'll give me the financial freedom to go and live my life. Fine. But as we are discussing, I had this vision for the brand. So to do that, I needed to grow and accelerate. To do that, I needed cash. Um, giving away 10% every month, giving away the first month's rent for a let. You know, you do that over, what well, I think we discussed with over six houses, yeah. over the next three years, you've just lost, I think we equated it about 35 grand or something. A deposit or even a whole house. A whole places. house in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> when you're looking at it that way, for three years of getting your hands dirty a little bit, um, mm. and I've kept everything in the house. So one of the things the lenders like now so when you go to get a loan and say you do scale up, say to somewhere where we are, or well, it's even kicked in a lot smaller, around 80 houses, it's not just the deal itself they look at and that the, the specific asset you're gearing up against. It's you as a business. Okay. So they want to see your overheads. Now, what can your business afford in the background if things go wrong, yeah, etc.? Yeah, yeah. Now, if you've got 10% going away over 80 properties, when you're now just directly employing property managers mm. it's a huge saving and also by yeah. self-managing you can bring in that maintenance contractor so you know he comes to fix the leaky tap it's 30 quid if you use the managing agent that's probably a hundred pound bill is it you know yeah. <laughs> so that that's an interesting one and but do you think at the time if you had investors let's say at the time you had guys saying right i'm gonna give you two hundred thousand pounds no give me eight percent a year yeah go buy houses do you think you would have still kept it in-house? Yeah. Okay. My OCD. <laughs> that, that control over every aspect yeah. of your building. If you've got full control, you've got full awareness, you're keeping relationships with your tenants because mm -hmm. you're speaking to them on, on a regular basis. You can also make sure that when you're paying people to do these maintenance jobs, they're happening to a mm. high enough standard. And your knowledge base is increasing. Mm, Without yeah. that knowledge base. So now when I'm designing... Because I, I, when these buildings, obviously, we work with an architect, but I do the design myself. Yeah, I do the same, yeah. Yeah, and mine's led through the knowledge I've built as a landlord. So don't do that there, because I know this causes this problem. If I, if I took a hands-off approach, you wouldn't know necessarily where all the leaks happen. What's the, you know, now we fully tile every bathroom. 
You see a lot of people don't. Why do you fully tone? Because well, I'm having this discussion in my head right now. One, I think aesthetically it looks better. Agreed. Uh, two, what you do find, I, I mean, I've got an extractor fan in my bathroom. I don't mind leaving it on. Yeah. 90% of tenants, that noise, I don't know what it, if it, uh, there's something about it, so they turn it off. Yeah. So now you've got bare plastered walls with all this steam. Mm. You can bet your bottom dollar every year, you're definitely replastering it. You're probably sanding, filling, skimming, it'll need a good plaint. Mm. The plaster will soak all that up. Now, if it's fully tiled, you might need to... Well, we use also... You probably you mentioned that you like our tiles. If you look at our tiles, though, we're always using a mid-to-dark grout. Yeah. Because it doesn't need re-grouting. Not white. Okay, I like. So, you've now finished the bathroom, which, yeah, when tenant moves out, you'll have to re-silicone the bathroom and the, the bathroom and the sink. Walk out. You're not doing a full hit on that. Mm-hmm. And if you're holding on to that property for the next 10 years... It makes a huge difference, yeah. Huge yeah. difference. It's interesting to hear this from you because obviously, so you have two hundred units at the mm-hmm. moment under rental on your yeah two two one I think that you own like that. right yeah owner manager yeah. okay so it's it's kind of weird to hear you speak about grout you know because I think <laughs> most people would be like oh he's got two hundred units he's just he's there yeah yeah he's not even but you're so involved right yeah. how does like okay so a lot of people get in property to get freedom right time yeah. yeah you're like a businessman before a property investor is is what yeah. I perceive. Yeah. How is your work-life balance? There's not much of a life balance at the moment. <laughs> uh, that's the fiancée will tell you that. She was here. <laughs> oh, she <laughs> yeah, was. she was, yeah. Um, it's because I've got this, I'd say, this ambition to... And I, I've got a competitive edge. Mm. You know, there's still landlords bigger than me. So of it, course, yeah. It, it yeah. kicks me out of bed in the morning, uh, you know, because I, I want to get to that level. So, yeah. And as, as you say, it's, we are a business. So we're not just a, a property, but we are a full-on business. You know, there's different layers of staff. You know, from admin to management to construction, maintenance. So we've got pretty much, you know, this corporation coming together. Mm. And it's something, you know, obviously I'm proud of that we've done. Um, But yeah, I still like being in touch. And from speaking about you, the way you've obviously designed the interiors to your own, Mm. I don't think you'd be any different. No, I wouldn't, yeah. And I think you need to. And again, it goes back to your why. Why are you investing? Yeah. Mine was to have this brand. Sometimes I do think, I wish I was on a beach. (laughs) But, you know, I think that'll come. Yeah, and it's the entrepreneur's curse, isn't it? We do this to get more time and money and freedom. Yeah. Then all the money goes back in the business all the time, and then yeah. we're just like, "Why do we do this again?" Yeah. Because we actually love doing the work. Uh, we don't want to admit it. Sometimes. But it's not work because you love it. It's a hobby, well, isn't it? Exactly. It becomes that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I sit there at night and you know, fiance, I want to watch a film or something. I'm on Pinterest looking at different <laughs> chandeliers. Oh, I like that kitchen. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Of, I don't care about the tiles. Yeah. Just watch Netflix. Screenshot it. And yeah. I've got a file on my folder with some like three and a half thousand pictures. And when I come to do a new development, I'll scroll through that and go, oh, do you remember that in London? Like, we'll do that around the doors here. And then we'll we'll put this LED strip light I in. I love this. This is exactly what I do. And people yeah. are just like, but it's just a buy to let. And I'm like, no. Yeah. If I get 50 to 60 quid more a month, and it brills my brand, then I will spend an extra grand or whatever. Oh, exactly. You know, you know I mean? if you put that 50 quid, 600 quid a year, on say 10, that's six grand. Do that over 10 hours, it's 60,000 quid's worth of value. That's a lot of Nando's, isn't it? Of- <laughs> <laughs> I need to lay off them. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so 221 rental units. That is... So, so what do they consist of? So how how many buy to lets? How many flats? Ooh, how many? Now you're asking. Yeah. So yeah. I got. I started off with say semi detached. Uh, I got I think two of them, mm-hmm. and then we went into about 
12, I think about three semi-detached, something like 12 to 14 terraces. Okay. And then we've got reams of um, apartments, you know, big old Victorian houses. Okay. One large HMO. And then we've converted a five-story retail building in St. Helens Town Centre, opposite the uh, the main shopping centre. We've got 15 apartments out of that and a 4,500 square foot duplex retail unit. It's big, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's massive. It was like the John Lewis for, for the people of St. Helens. Oh. So it was quite... Um, it landed me right on the front page. I can imagine. Yeah, because yeah, it was quite um, debated topic, me destroying their heritage. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was How de- could you? Yeah, it was a derelict old building, but apparently that's better than apartments. Oh, we've just got no <laughs> um, okay. And then we acquired a eighteen thousand square foot, nineteen fifties office. That's big. We're big. Yeah, we yeah. got eighteen apartments. Uh, the, the the penthouse level have got balconies. Ooh, uh, nice. Yeah, and four retail underneath. Um, we're currently on a 35,000 square foot office, Jeez. converting that into 28 apartments. Nicholson Plaza was phase A. Ah. Uh, and then we've got this phase B, which will be Nicholson Place, and we're doing an 11,500 square foot rooftop garden. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Don't get me down for that, Martin. I'll get you down, there. Yeah. Well, we've got a Ooh. champagne bar underneath. Ooh, um, I like this. Uh, it's, it's it's a lovely concept what the uh, the owner's done. And this is in St Helens as well. Town centre, yeah, yeah. So well, you are actually regenerate in this. Place, yeah, like. yeah. And then we just acquired um, uh, Glaxo Smith Klein, the old Beecham's Cold and Flu, Thomas Beecham's original office that he built oh, in eighteen seventy seven, Grade two listed, there. and it's yeah. got a huge clock tower that lights up and lights up St Helens town centre. Maybe you put Nicholson right in the middle of it. Oh yeah, they'd, they'd love that one. <laughs> yeah, but it chimes. Well, actually, people are complaining because it's broke. So I'm gonna have you to can fix be the it. man of the community and fix I'll it. I'll put a digital you? one on. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this millennial change. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, what is it? Apple Watch up there. Yeah. So uh, that's gonna be. We haven't quite finished because we're working very closely with Heritage on that one at the moment. Okay. Um, but on the current one, for example, where we've done two schemes again through my legal knowledge and knowing what lenders are looking for because I knew I was gonna sell it. People ask why? Why have you done two? Yeah. yeah why yeah. did you just do the twenty-eight apartments in one go? But one there's a risk element. There's more risk doing it in one go. Okay. Two, cash flow. Mm-hmm. I can get that side rented now, bring your money in. Three, there's a concentration levels. I don't know if you've come across this yet. So basically, some lenders in these larger apartment blocks will feel overexposed with too many rental units in one block. Ah. Now, a lot have a cutoff around 15. Okay. Um, some banks will push to 18, etc. So at 28, <laughs> you, what you'd find is you completed the development and you might not have a lender willing to do it. That's something that I... Most people would have ploughed in. Yeah. And then been stuck. So now we've got an apartment block of 12 with two commercial. An apartment block of 16 with a well a massive uh, dance studio, etc. underneath. But how do these national home builders do it when they have 150 flats? Well, they're often sold, aren't they, to owner-occupiers? Uh, oh, so even they couldn't get... They'd find it difficult to get... Yeah. Well, now it's changing because PRS is now so popular. Okay. So what I've found in doing my research, which I mentioned that big white, which I know is not on camera, yeah. it's a huge whiteboard, isn't it, covered yeah, in uh, <laughs> funds names, and lenders. Yeah. Um, we, we, at the level that I'm sort of doing as well, you're sort of stuck because there's not necessarily a market for it. You find for your conventional high street challenger banks, 28 units is possibly too much in one go. And then you've got these other lenders and banks, which are more bespoke, who want to lend 5 million plus. So I'm like, well... We do a part of four, yeah. And the, 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 you are stuck in this quantum, so that's yeah. why we decided to go and create 
that's, the two different. I mean, we, yeah. you know, so when we bought it, I had an eye on the fact there was two entrances. Uh, so then we could create a wall, carve up the building into two. I've got two different freeholds. And then I, I actually bought the long leasehold. I was buying the long leasehold off the original seller. It's been a night, two and a half years this has been going on. I actually got an option on it back in 2017. Mm-hmm. The original seller then went bankrupt. Okay, oh dear. So then I had to deal with his lender. I managed to get a deal back online, even though last minute they tried to change the rules. As they do so yeah. well, yeah. But they were only giving me the long leasehold. I always buy freehold, always have and always okay. will. I then had to acquire the freehold off the council, who then passed through three different personnel as people left the council. District Valuer got involved, who must have had a decimal point stuck on his calculator with the initial <laughs> one. So we had to uh, had to go back and negotiate that. Then when they come to sell us the freehold, they realised they missed the slither around the back, they didn't own it. So then under land registry rules, we had to get them to apply for first registration that they could document that it was within their ownership. Um, and then the solicitor really didn't do an index map search. So there was a cupboard at the back that was owned by another individual. A cupboard? A cupboard. Uh, smaller than my office that we're in, um, which at the ground floor had the previous substation, but missed the upper floors. But it convert, they just give themselves one big because they couldn't be bothered carving up at Landred. So they just did a cupboard on every floor. So it ended up, they bought the women's, women's toilets in the office block, the substation, I think the archive room. So then I had to go and negotiate with them as to why. It, then it technically was landlocked. So they tried to hit me to, for the purchase price. So they ransom stripped you in a way. Well, but did it to themselves because they couldn't actually access their own. And I said, <laughs> potentially it's a substation with issues in there and it might have asbestos but you can't come in and check so you they eventually give me for a pound so you ran some shit there yeah so i, I got like me, I, I got me covered back um so <laughs> it's covered man oh it's an absolute nightmare you just wouldn't even think that like yeah. firstly your solicitor shouldn't be missing the stuff but yeah they always do and they're like covered at the end so then we managed is... to get the site together and then developing it was a nightmare in itself as well you know upgrading the electrics um the, the drains around the back and it's such a big site and this is Nicholson Plaza yeah, okay. yeah can you talk about the figures for them uh, yeah so well basically we acquired I mean we got the whole site for something like 470 grand sounds very cheap it was um, it was in a very bad okay it was structurally at, sound or structurally yeah well it was, it was a, it's a concrete building um, okay. and, you know a block and beam flooring so when I saw that actually the one across the road was fully concrete so when you're trying to drill in to put your waste except through and your blow-offs we were going through bits like there was no because we actually had our own I, I, as I say we try and get everything in the house so I have all the own equipment ours wouldn't go through it we had to get in a, a diamond drill specialist to come out and get through it sounds expensive it, it was per hole but you <laughs> it's per hole and it took them half a day but you're sort of over a barrel so again going back to there is things some learning care for me you know, wow, um, so you got it for 470 470 How much did it cost to... What did you buy it with, like a bridging type? We, 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 yeah, we don't bridge. Okay, so never do cash. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then how much was the build cost? Well, build cost different for us because it's all in-house. Okay. Because um, obviously everyone works because we're not using... We're not subcontracting. See, what I, and I used to do, like everyone probably do, you go and get a joiner and he might charge you... Um, Oh, so my charge is say twenty pound per door, uh, you know three hundred, four hundred pounds to fit your kitchen, you know x amount per meter. The guys are in house, so we don't have that sort of construction costs. Um, but regards to the GDV, 
Um, I'll let you know in due course because the value came out yesterday. Okay. Hopefully we're on the same lines. <laughs> Hopefully there's yeah. not a decimal point missing. Yeah, okay. there's no there's no uh, no phone calls going in when I receive the report. So the traditional way, the way I know of funding these deals is obviously you pay cash for that. Yeah. And you get 100 percent development finance. Yeah. No, uh, in house. So and all this cash has come from your previous just business. And yeah. So we've refinanced properties have we gone against values. That's why I was saying it's important <sighs> to work with lenders who will fit your. They have the same appetites as you and want to work with. A lot of people, when they go to a bank, they're oh great, I've got a loan. But it's not just a case of that. It's it's a two-way interview process, I see it. Okay. You know, you've got to fit the bank's profile. Everyone's worried about what the bank signs off. But is the bank going to be doing what you want them to do? You know, a lot of banks will go, say, you buy a house for 100 grand, you spend 50 grand on it, you know, but it's worth 300. You want to make sure that bank's going to let you release against that 300 value. Not seventy yeah. percent of the one fifty, because how can you grow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's some banks won't, some banks will. So you you do need to work. Yeah. And one thing I've always done, and you know I'm quite loyal. Uh, when I get a structure with a bank, and I'm happy. And you know another thing with banks as well is a question a lot of people miss is who's on the valuation panel. Okay. You know where are my properties based? Who will understand my market? For example, you don't want one of the Rolls Royce surveyors going out who <laughs> who's doing Canary Wharf every day. Yeah, and he comes out to your terraced house in Doncaster. <laughs> you know, he, he's yeah, what's this? Yeah, 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 he's not going to be. And I've had that. So you know, one okay. thing I always make is there's um, a lender on the uh, value on the lenders panel who understands these secondary, third markets that we invest in, uh, understand the product and the demand, what's going on in the town. You know, last thing you need is someone who's active in London coming up, say to St Helens, doesn't even know the town, what's yeah. going on, because it looks a bit dead. Yeah. And he's just not not the fact all the investment that's going in. You know, the council acquired the shopping centre for twenty seven million quid, um, and that was ideal for me because the first one we did the retail building. Mine is five yards across the road, so I tried to use that as a comparable, but he didn't <laughs> go for twenty seven. Yeah, so it's got to be about the same. Yeah, no, he didn't go for that. <laughs> so you you mentioned you have retail or commercial underneath. Yeah, and you have them in a few of them. Yeah, everyone says you know as we say high street is dying. Everyone's yeah. on ASOS and Amazon. Did you see a risk in the retail or did you say, oh, a nice long commercial lease? I dis- So when I'm acquiring, I totally discount it pretty much for value. Mm. Uh, and okay. make, sure the free ho- make sure the residential element works to where I need to be. Mm. When, I, when I go into a deal, I work on worst case. I don't, if I'm happy with the worst case, I'm in. Okay. I can't get hurt. Uh, so I sort of try and discount that. Um, it, if if, it, if it, I got my ideal situation... Would you get planning for resi on the ground? Would love it, you know. But you're in the main retail pitch in the town centre. Yeah. The planner's going to tell you right where to go. So I don't even bother putting that in. But because I'm, it's it's a larger regeneration. What I'm doing by having these commercial units in the town centre, it almost gives me the opportunity to place make. Okay. I can decide who goes in there. What's the vibe of the area I'm trying to achieve? That's a that's that's a big thing for one company, one one man to be doing. So when we had on Nicholson Plaza, for example, underneath there, we had plenty of offers from retailers, which again, as a landlord, I don't think will survive. So I'm pretty much trying to shell that out in two years again. So okay. it's not an option I went for. But I believe these town centres now they're going to be residential led regeneration. That creates the footfall. It creates the vibrancy. It then gives business owners the confidence to invest because the clients are above the door. There's footfall, 
there's a reason to be in the town centre again. Yeah. Retail will ne- won't happen again. So I believe these town centres that have great commuter links already in place because they were the hustle and bustle of society. The trains go there, the motorways are nearby, so they're well connected. Are ideal to be commuter towns. People will live there Mm-mm. for a fraction of the cost. Say, for example, um, a comparable I use, you know, a 25 square metre studio in Manchester city centre, seven, 800 quid. My 68 square metre, one bed, fully furnished, self-contained with parking, internet, etc., is 650. You can walk down to the train station and be in Manchester in 10, 15 minutes. <clears throat> no brainer. And in the town, in the city centre of Manchester, and you're in your place of work for 9am in no time. You've saved on the travel. Mm. And if you do want to travel, you've got a car parking space unlike the city centre. Okay. So now I believe they will be commuter. So people will live there. Now it's somewhere you've got to live and play, not work. So now it's having the right Same. vibrancy and leisure mix. So we've got the champagne bar and restaurants opened. Of course. Absolutely fantastic. You've seen hairdressers come, obviously demand for that. Yeah, In yeah. one of our unions, we've got um, an independent, well, he's not an independent, he's got a few chains, but he's like a cheaper alternative to say your Tesco Express. Okay. So now there's somewhere for your tenants to come and get the food, the cereal, the mm. milk, you know, the, the, your dairy milk on the way home because you're starving. <laughs> it's all, it's now coming together and it's starting to get, you know, residentially amenitized. It's it's there. If that's such a thing. It's it's, it's pretty awesome because I've never met someone who is like a lot of property investors I meet are like property investors. They're buying, they're getting the portfolio, but you are like actually changing a town in yeah. the UK. Like it's mad to be like, that's what I do. Hi, hi, I'm Paul. This is what I do. <laughs> like it's it's kind of inspiring. I'm thinking, I wonder if there's somewhere like that where I invest that I could change because it's like these town centres are ideal yeah. for it. Because it's, it's also a matter of brand and, and the legacy as well, right? To well, be that's, like, I mean, people remember Nicholson we, we wear this. Luxor. Uh, yeah. Originally, I was Luxor and we're just on, as you can see, we're trying to cram mm. in this little space yeah. because of all the uh, <laughs> the rebrand uniforms, etc. And yeah, that's it's a legacy, mm, you know. It is a legacy. And one day, you know, relatives, etc. And that's what I've it's on every building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really pissing the council off, to be honest. <laughs> so it's going um, on all of them now. Good. And we put an LED light box on them as well. So at night, all the ends are lit up at night. So when you're walking down the streets, you can see them all. Like Monopoly. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to get a tea for all my vitamins. You should be. Stick them in the yellow, window. Yellow LED yeah, glow. Yellow LED, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know what? For the listeners, you're doing so much, right? And it feels unobtainable. It feels very far away, yeah. I think, for a lot of the people who are new. For someone who's listening, who's maybe got a couple of bytelets, yeah. got some flats, got HMOs, they're kind of ready for the next commercial yeah. conversions step, yeah. or even building from land. Like, how do they make that transition? Because it is big, right? Bytelets, HMOs, flats—they're all very similar. Yeah. Like a commercial conversion of you know twenty-eight units from a, a dilapidated concrete building is whoa. Yeah. How should people, or how can they? Make that change and get started. So I'd be sensible with it. Uh, you know, I went from two-bed terrace to three-bed terrace houses, you know, four beds. And then I went, and my first one was a block of four flats, two beds. Okay. And it was pretty much what you described on your renovations. It wasn't big build work, but I was putting the kitchens, new bathrooms. Mm. Plumbing electrics were pretty much in place. A good cosmetic overall. That simple step, you're now learning some really valuable things. You're probably also learning how to acquire your materials properly yeah. and sensibly. You know, don't just walk into any kitchen manufacturer out there, the popular ones, and take one off the peg. Negotiate it. You know, what? one thing I did, for example, was I was driving around a lot of the industrial estates. Mm. And if you drive around all these industrial... You see all these 
timber companies who do laminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half the price of you, you, you know, your nationals. Mm. Um, so I did a lot of that. Found a kitchen company who manufacture their own doors, except from board on site. Mm. You know, so there's those things. Um, so you, you then start to look at your margin. How, how to, how can I? And you're also building your knowledge. You know, you think it's a, you know, when you're saying you change your kitchen's bathrooms, you probably learn things along the yeah, way, though. Hundred percent, yeah. Confidence grows, and then you know, I went into a bigger, slightly sick one-bedroom apartments. I did, and that needed a bit more playing around in a stud wall, you know. But then you've got an eye on always be focused on your materials. For example, I think behind you, there's a big list. Is there a colourful chart there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. Price yeah. Yeah. So I grabbed that off my timber supplier. So that's every product he's got. Got him Brexit caused massive problems with supplies at the minute, materials. Uh-huh. But I got him and he got him to lock me into a three month. So now when my bill comes through, I have his code. Don't pay it until I've checked my code is at the price we agreed. <laughs> you know, so it's learning things like, you know, if you're being very frugal on materials and, you know, don't take one thing that I see a lot of people doing. And it makes it hard for us guys, actually. Uh, the ones who do this on a professional basis. People take the first price. Oh, want me to fix that kitchen, love? It's 700 quid. Yeah. And, you, you know, but if you actually Can't went... Quit, yeah. yeah, you know, if you went, well, how long is it going to take? Well, there's going to be two of us and it's going to take us two days. That's 120 times two, 240. So you should be at 480. Where's the 700 come from? <laughs> you know, so yeah. working things out like that, think about how much things... And you, you'll, you'll be surprised how much these scary projects don't cost too much. Okay. But if you go straight into the... When I did my that five-storey retail building, which was the first large one, that's an eye opener, you know. Fire collars coming out of walls, addressable fire alarm systems. Um, you know, we then had to create uh, put what's called actuators AOVs onto windows when the fire linked to the fire alarm to let the smoke out of the thing. Oh wow! Uh, creating passive smoke vents that have to be out of metal stud. We built them out of timber and had to rip them out. Um, we had to cut open roofs to put in windows that had opened there if there was ever a you know. That was a huge learning curve. Thankfully, because of my existing portfolio, you know, the additional cost you didn't necessarily foresee coming. But if someone didn't have your existing portfolio... You could find yourself in a problem. Yeah. And so how would you recommend they learn what you learn? Yeah, the small flat. So if you've now got, say if you sell, you've got six Mm buy-to-lets. You know, if your next one... You know, you might see a block of three apartments. Four I'm looking at a block of three apartments. Yeah. Ideal. You know, it's it's more volume in one. It's more concentrated. You've got to be more uh, uh, take more attention on your budget mm. because you're buying three kitchens in one go. Th- you know, three lots of doors everywhere. So you know, you it make you be really focused on that. And then you, I did up say three or four like that, and then I go to six to eight flats. Okay. No, but also you know essential at all times is, is I, I have a, a rigid financial structure I've run those figures off before I even view it to work out whether it's got to be even likely um, you know you've got to be make sure you concentrate that there's enough budget in there um, you know to get out because if you're looking to retain them you know you want to be somewhere near 50% all in of its TDB okay and would you say finding someone and JVing with them or even just networking with someone can help kind of avoid the mistakes? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've always flown solo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I want to go and paint the front of my house pink, I don't need to have a sit-down conversation. Or bright yellow. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I don't need to have the sit-down conversation. I can just do it. I can act quickly. Okay. Um, so I, I've always been stubborn in my way, so I knew I had to be on my own. But yeah, 
with like-minded people networking i think you know it's essential um i almost had through my time especially the early days i had a couple of mentors that really helped me kick on and one of them actually it was when he had his own portfolio and he had a load of shit holes should we say apartments yeah but the money he was generating from them from one when i was built buying all that's what really opened my eyes the multi-block mm. i was thinking wow I'm getting two fists out of that one building. He's clearing like two and a half thousand quid. Yeah. And I, when I first started, I had this goal of netting three a month. You know, that's where, you know, it's all financial stepping stones. So dealing with those mentors, and I had another guy who's also a qualified solicitor and went into it himself. And he got to 38 um, houses. And he taught me a lot about opening my eyes up to how banks work and interviewing the banks, etc. Mm. So having a mentor, having someone who's been there and done that and on your path, and successfully mm-hmm. done it is very, you know, I'd say it is worthwhile doing. Okay, so you know, all these projects, all all these refurbs, everything going on, obviously cost money. Yeah. Are you still still using the business cash, or do you like go to investors? No, we've got no investors at all. Um. So you've so so you started how many years ago again? Eleven. Eleven years ago, and you haven't used investors. No. And the portfolio is worth 20... 22 and a half now. 22 and a half million without a single investor. Yeah. But we must caveat, you had cash at the beginning yeah. of your own. You yeah. used that. Yeah. And then that cash has just... Yeah, gone straight back in. We've always... Um, ref- as I say, because of my strict financial targets when I buy a building, I've mm. got to make sure that the money's coming out. That's why I've always been able to grow. Sometimes we've added that much value. That's When you're looking for these buy-to-lets... You've got to add real value, mm. you know, to to shoot, you know, put a lick of paint around, changing the kitchen, etc. You know, try to justify that to the bank, unless you've bought well. But if you've bought off off the market properly, you know, how do you justify painting that side of 50, 60 grand on? It's showing these real added value, what you've gone to add value to that property. The banks then, you know, and the, the sensible, the business people themselves, let's face it, the bank only makes money if they're lending. So they often do want to lend. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's painting that picture and then, then, then to lend against what its value is. Um, we always, I have a rule, I generally lend 65 to 70 of its end value. Okay. So one, I've always got a buffer there if there's any market volatility. But two, I'm always on capital repayment. I've got nothing on interest only. Okay, so you started off with small put money. Yeah. Well, small compared to what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. It's still kind of big. You recycled everything. You didn't leave money in your deals. Yeah. You also remortgaged on repayment. Yeah. Mortgages. All on repayment. And not at 75 or 85, but 75 or less. Yeah. And then it's now worth 22 yeah. million. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's flown by. I mean, so then, I you know, I think the reason why a lot of us use investors yeah. is because we can get there quicker, right? Well, we were in totally different markets. Okay. You know, we're in quite a buoyant market now. Um, you know, it's there is activity out there. There's a lot of people who want to be landlords. Uh, there yeah. are challenger banks who are quite... Oh, when I started, we were coming out of the recession. Prices were still very flat. Mm-hmm. Um, the terraced houses I started <clears throat> buying for £35,000 are now 95 to one two five. I've got streets of them. So you've had the benefit of time, right? It's got well. a benefit of time, but also I was in a very rare position because they were still worth more than 35. 
But you remember, we're in a reset. I buy them off an LPA receiver. Mm. No one can get finance. But the likes of Lloyd's, etc., were they happy to lend to a solicitor in property? They were. <laughs> so I took full advantage of that and ran pretty quick. If I was mm. starting now, um, does the single buy-to-let investment work? I can't comment too much because I'm not in it myself. Everything's wrapped in commercial in a, a company vehicles for me as well. But turnover taxation buoyant market a lot of people are now entering this market high competition um is there much margins in could i have grown the portfolio the way i have now possibly not investor model yeah you know very much look worth looking at mm. yeah, i know you because you do a bit of bridging don't you yes i bridge i have investors that fund 100 percent or 90 yep. percent ltv and without them yeah Will you give it up a piece of the action or do you pay them back? Fixed return. Oh, fixed return. One cent a month or half cent yeah. a month. So you're using them a bit like a bridge as well. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much a bridge. Yeah. But what it means is that I I can get the speed yeah. that you had, yeah. but hopefully with less money, right? Yeah. Like less money putting in because I, ha- I have enough to kind of do it, yeah. but there's going to be a point where it's like, oh, I now have to wait X many months to refund. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah, usual yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I'm like... Well, again, there's lenders who don't care about the six-month rule. See, with them, right... Like Kent Reliance, I know. Yeah. I kind of just give money to anyone. They're one savings and interbay, I think, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with, I always say, like my broker says, yeah, you can try it. But I always say, how the hell am I proving thirty grand worth of value after one month? Yeah, and so that's I'm always like that, and that's that real add value. So instead of just, you know, are there extensions you can put mm. in? Have you? I mean, those clever design features we talk about as well. They are real head turners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's why I do them as well because I'm like, I want the value to be like, whoa. I, I, you I've know, I was constantly, especially in the, the early days, you know, cleaning the property just before he killed. Yesterday, mm. the value had come out to Nicholson Plaza. I was up a step ladder, hanging fake plants from the range, <laughs> over this laminate floored ceiling to give it this draped <laughs> look. Um, you know, the Man. development before Nicholson House, I was actually cleaning the banister. Um, before the and this con- shows how much you care as well. Yeah, I was I was in a tracksuit on, brush <laughs> going in between, swearing, saying I'm never doing this again. But I, I, I did. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. You know, it's it's crazy to hear you've done it with your own cash. Like I think most of us would love to, right? Like, yeah. It's it's the kind of ideal. And like, so portfolio is twenty two and a half mil right yeah. now. What do you want it to be in? I don't know. Two, five, ten years. What, what's the kind of what's next? What's in the future for for Nicholson? Oh, well, yeah, I want to get much bigger. What you know, the next the next hurdles obviously fifty, hundred, five zero. Yeah, hundred. I want to I want to create this brand, this legacy. Do you know how big the biggest UK portfolio? Like, do you know what it is? Did I actually I, don't know. I think some guy had was it eight hundred plus. There's two. There's a, um, a couple in Kent. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes, Ferguson. Ferguson. Yeah. yeah, and he sold tranches off okay and then there's a guy called i think is it kevin white in wales kevin green kevin green i'm going to his course this side actually free there one. you yeah, go yeah, yeah. i was close with the color yeah yeah he, i think he's got some like seven eight hundred or something like that okay and i think his from what i understand predominantly a single buy to let yeah i know someone with buy to let's been on the podcast actually he's got 250 yeah so okay I mean, because when we go into like 50 million, 100 million, we're talking like kind of American level, you know, because some of them are crazy. Like, Well, now, you know, with what I'm doing, I've essentially been like a PRS scheme mm. since the start. And now it's it's, it's a really favourable asset class. Mm. So I think you've got to see a lot of favour to these large apartment blocks being held on for the rental income. I know there's pension funds who are very um, switched on to it. So I'm a bit excited about the future. And as I say, we've got larger schemes in the pipeline which 
we definitely can't fund through our own resource. Mm -hmm. So we are going to potentially be releasing a, an investment product okay. for people to come and invest with us. But we want to do a, a slightly different angle. We want people to almost be partnered in it. So there's also the upside and a bit of capital growth. So you see these large developments that yeah. the large developers get to make, but the smaller guys locked out of them. Mm. We want to try and open up the potential for these larger schemes, the smaller I investor. See. But it's not just going to be on like these fractional sales where you've just paid me 200 grand for a 10 meter squared flat. You know, an oh, hour. Magical cupboard. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the cupboard I lost. <laughs> and then, you know, leave you to it in two years after they've, you know, paid the returns that aren't there. You know, we want to be very transparent and make you part of it. And we're yeah. going to maintain, we're going to retain part of the ownership. Hmm. So we, with a, a lot of these developments where they're all sold, yeah. the developer doesn't really care, does he? He's gone. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we're thinking about trying to create sort of almost like a collective investment scheme where we've got a, an ownership in it as well, yeah, along yeah. with them. So... If the rents go to shit, it also hits us. If the values drop, it also hits us. You know, yeah, we're in it with yeah, the us. Okay. And, you know, do you think what you have achieved is achievable by anyone? Do you think anyone listening on the show, if they, if they... Not just anyone. I think if you've got the right mindset. Okay, and what is the right mindset? I mean, I had a guy there who was a good friend of mine. And, um, you know... He wasn't the cleverest guy in the room, you know. He didn't really understand all the legal structures in property, etc. But his tenacity was unrivaled. Mm. I've never known anyone like him. I remember when he first started off, you know, he rang me and said, there's, a, uh, there's an old house there, you know, find out who owns it. I said, okay, you know, I'm a busy solicitor, a big commercial. Literally two minutes later, who owns it? <laughs> I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to have that tenacity. You've got to be driven and ambitious. You know, have that end game, that vision. Mm. That's got to be there. And you know, the work ethic. You know, there's got to be a lot of pain. Um, yeah. The mistakes that you'll make, the heartache, the lost money. You will lose money at times. Yeah. You know, it's poor refurb, maintenance things. You've, you know, you're in the middle of refurb, not considered something. It'll cost you a right few quid. We've all been there. But a lot of people go, I want to throw the towel in. Yeah. And it's having that. You know. That grit that's and determination. Where you, that's not where your real personality strength comes you are. through. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember when I first started, um, and I was I, still, I had quite a few properties, but I was putting it all back in. So I remember, because um, I, I do mine furnished, and I was buying me tenants' beds and couldn't afford one. And I lived in a ground floor flat at the time, <laughs> and I didn't have any curtains, blinds, or a bed. I was sleeping on the floor, on a blue floor, blue cord carpet. And I remember it was Christmas morning, and I had the newspaper sellotaped, but obviously, I didn't have any heating on either, so I sweated. Condensation went on the window. Middle of the night, the newspapers fell off. Christmas morning, I've woke up. I'm just there on the floor. You know, so it's making that sort of sacrifice as well. Wow. And that belief that you've got to get there, you know, that, that, there, those, those, that's that mindset I believe you yeah. need to get to sort of replicate where, so that where pure, I'm at. that pure grit and, like, yeah. kind of hustle where you just, is, yeah. you just have to work hard. Like you can work smart and efficient. Yeah. But you have to work hard. Like, You've got no... to. Yeah, you see all these about working clever and stuff. Yeah. You've got to work clever, but there's no way you're going to do it on four hours a day. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you know. have to put in... And you know what? I think it's easy for us to say put in the work. Yeah. And no matter how many examples you give... Yeah. Like, listeners who are listening, you're never going to know the hard work until you do it. Like, what you're telling me, I'm thinking, that sounds really hard. Yeah. But until I'm actually there... But it's probably the most enjoyable part of the journey, you know? You love the process, and that's, that's I, I look back though, and all these things when I used to, you know, I remember um, 
painting one of my first houses. I was terrible at painting. So I drank, a, I, I think I must have had a crate of Budweiser and the cutting in with the Magnolia paint must have been like one of those heartbeats. <laughs> it was terrible. But you look back and think of some of the things you did where you, you've dug out gardens yourself. Oh, you scrub, I oh. scrubbed the wet. But you look back when, you know, you, you've got a bit, I think, oh, I did that. Yeah. You know, that's some mind. of the signs we put up here. You know, we've yeah. got live today like others won't so you can spend yeah. the rest of your life like others can't. Yeah. If you want a normal job, prepare for an average life. Let's go. Hashtag Team Nico, yeah. And these are some of the things that we put on. You oh, know. I love this Yeah, one. time is money. Did you get this custom made? No, it was off. Uh, I'll send you the website. Send me that. It's one of the things I shout to. I go, to, you know, come on, time is money. Yeah. You know, especially if you go on sites and the bill's got a Kit Kat in his hand. I'm known for saying that. You know what? That, that is like proper monotony. That just looks... Really... They've got a load of them. I'll send you them. Yeah, I think they're great for the yeah. office. For anyone who's not listening, who's listening, not watching, watch the YouTube video and you'll, you'll see this in the background. I really... This, this is very smelty. Yeah. And textured wallpaper. Well, we, I like I, that. I, I, we opened a salon for a bit. Oh. Uh, with my fiance. We had. What, Nicholson's Salon? It was Luxor. <laughs> it was a hair of beauty at the time. And um, basically, one of these. I talked about the retail being dead. I thought yeah, I'd yeah. give it a go. But you couldn't really. My heart wasn't in it. You've got a fireplace in a random place as well. Yeah, I thought yeah, that's yeah, like. Safe. Keep your keep moving. It's off. Keep your I don't want to pay the electric bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up a northern yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll have my coat on next yeah. month. <laughs> Amazing. Look, if you let's end it with this. If you had to give property investors three pieces of gold advice, yeah, what would they be? Oh, that's a good question. One is negotiating materials and prices. You know, you've seen so many people where they've done the hard bit and bought well, which is one of the key things, buying at the right price. And then they blow it all away by, you know, paying because, you know, the joiners on, they'll be putting a bit of pressure on. Oh, yeah, that's fine. No, oh, and don't give it, don't take the first price, sit back, get three, go back, negotiate, work out what a day rate is, how many days you think it should take. You know, because one of the big things, if you pay them a day rate, for example, they'll probably hang two doors a day. <laughs> pay them 30 quid a door, all 10 have gone in with half a day. You know, so it's working yeah, things yeah. like that out. Mm-hmm. Um, where, one thing that's really got me where I am is having my strict financial criteria when I'm buying, running the figures, does it fit, does it not, don't get emotionally attached yeah. and throw it in the bin. If it doesn't, you know, don't get committed because you've spent time on it, you know, time is money. Yeah, time is money, <laughs> um, yes sir. And then the other one is, as I say, you know, I'm a big believer and wish I had done it and I would have saved myself fortunes is finding someone who's been on your path and is well on it, you know, he's completed it successfully mm. and learned from them. You know, I, I, there's some of the mistakes I made just because I was pig-headed and didn't want to believe I needed anyone's advice and did it myself. You know, I probably could have bought another office building somewhere with the amount of money I've lost through wow. trying to get through it myself. You know, if you've got someone to pick up the phone and say, do you think this works? It might stop that bad purchase that sees you go under. A million percent, yeah. You know, because uh, I know you, I see your Instagram you know, you put a lot. One thing good about you, you put your journey up there and everything yeah, you're going yeah. through, don't you? Which is quite the kitchen bill. I saw that the other. Yeah, I nearly, I nearly cried at that one. And <laughs> it comes to your boys. On yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I think that's very good advice. Like, they're quite, they're quite specific to areas of property. But I know if if people do all those three things, the whole of their property experience yeah. will be way, way better. Yeah. Um. So, Mr. Nicholson. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. And I hope people have taken a lot from this, and I know they will, and I know what you've said about you know looking at someone who's doing what you want to do. They'll listen to you, they'll follow you, they'll find you. Now, people want to get a hold of you. Yeah. 
they want to check out your social media what are you up to what, what, where should they find you so on we're on uh, Instagram mm-hmm. at teamnico underscore UK yeah but also if you come on to www.teamnico.com yeah. Nico mm-hmm. is N-I-C-O if you're on the podcast yeah uh, all our social links are on there yeah. all our contacts uh, all our developments what we've got going on you can probably see some of the structures we've got our development company our lettings mm-hmm. you might want to take some inspiration from the way we've got separate brands and entities yeah yeah uh, by all means if anyone wants to speak to me you know reach out Definitely. Awesome, Monica. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.